Hello and welcome to Preparing Foster Youth for Adulting, the podcast designed to highlight strategies and resources that help youth in care transition to adulthood successfully. Our guest today is Sarah North Wolf. Sarah is the Dawson Promise Coordinator and Interim Dean of Enrollment at Dawson Community College in Glendive, Montana. Well, welcome, Sarah, and thank you for participating in the AOI podcast series. How are you doing today? Doing well today. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. I am really interested in hearing about your program. You're actually the first higher ed program that has been interviewed on our podcast series, so I'm very excited to learn about what you do there at Dawson Community College. But before we get into that, what I would like to ask is if you could please share how it is that you yourself got connected with foster care youth. Yeah. So when I started at Dawson Community College, one of the things that I was looking for was a way to really support the students that may need a little bit more support than the traditional student. Every student in higher education is different and requires a different level of care, a different level of mentorship, and they come into the higher education system with a different background. I know for sure that students in foster care have some challenges that they face before entering the higher education system. And so what I wanted to do was really help build a program that supported students aging out of foster care when they got into higher education. The focus of Dawson Promise itself is to help students have opportunities for higher education that might not have been available to them before. And we do this through allowing students to graduate from our two-year degree programs completely debt-free. And this is due to, you know, a couple of different factors, but it's more than just graduating debt-free. It's having someone to guide them through the higher education system. It can be a little tangled, especially for someone who might not have a parent that has been through higher education before. I had parents that were college educated, and it was still a little tangled for me. And so if I can help someone navigate that system and build a path toward independence and success, then that's what I want to do. So all of that to say, this program, Dawson Promise, was at Dawson Community College before I arrived, but I really saw an opportunity for us to support our students aging out of foster care by providing them with that navigational support through the college system. Okay, so there was a program, Dawson Promise, before that helped support youth who needed some additional information or some additional services, but there wasn't really necessarily the focus on the unique needs of former foster youth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, the program itself was really built for unaccompanied youth, homeless youth, and youth aging out of the foster care system. But it the way the program was built was more financially based. It was really just about the funding. And I wanted to build that support piece. I wanted to build that navigational piece along with it. I got that. That makes sense. Before we move on, though, let me ask this about the funding. I know that there are a handful of states that provide financial support for former foster youth at, say, like community colleges or state colleges. Does your state provide any of that support there in Montana? Yes, Montana does provide support for youth who have aged out of foster care. The support doesn't cover every single piece of their educational experience. We know that there's 
not just the tuition, but there's tuition and fees and housing and books and room and board and all of these other pieces. And so, yes, Montana does support students who have aged out of foster care financially, but there are always some extra pieces. There's always some kind of hidden fee that students get slapped with, and we didn't want them to get slapped with that fee. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that they do provide that, at least. I don't believe every state does, so Mm -hmm. it's always nice to hear. (laughs) So I'd like to hear what the whole experience is for a young person who's coming out of foster care and going into your program. But first, let me ask this. How do you find the young people who end up applying at your community college? So we get connected with youths in a multitude of ways. I think the most common is probably when a high school counselor reaches out to us and says, I've got a student that I know would be a great candidate for Dawson Promise. And when that happens, typically I'll set up a meeting with that counselor and myself and the student. It's always nice to have someone there who's familiar. So it's not just me one-on-one with the student the very first time. And we can have a conversation about what are those students' goals? What are they hoping to do? What are they hoping to achieve? And is Dawson Community College a good option for them to be able to achieve those goals? The first way we do it is typically through high school counselors. We also have a presence in a couple of organizations across the state that work with foster youth, and they try to provide information to students as well. But often it's that connection one-on-one with people who either know a foster youth, whether that is a foster parent who's heard about us and is reaching out, or a high school counselor who knows of a student and is reaching out to us. Okay. What would you say to young people who might not really clearly understand the difference between attending a community college and a four-year degree program? What are the benefits of a community college? What might be the advantage of attending a community college over a four-year college? One of the benefits that I can speak to really directly is the size of a community college. So in the state of Montana, we have three or four community colleges and then three or four four-year institutions. And those four-year schools are large, which is great because it means that they provide a lot of different avenues for students to go through. But it's also an opportunity for someone to get lost or someone to fall through the cracks or to just disappear in a wide crowd of people. And at Dawson Community College, we're one of the smaller community colleges in Montana. We have a student-to-faculty ratio of about 14 to 1, and that means that every student on campus is known by their faculty members, is known by the administration. I can personally say that I know every single student that walks through the halls on campus, and I don't think that I could say that at a four-year school. It's one of those things where, especially if someone in the state of Montana, at least quite a few of our high schools are rural high schools where the graduating classes, you know, six to 12, having a student who comes from an area like that be able to come to Dawson Community College and know the people who are in their class, know their instructor, be able to meet with their instructor one-on-one in a way that is more personable and less cold allows students to not get lost. And that's really what I care about. I don't want students to feel lost. And do you believe that youth coming from the foster care system might really benefit from that extra support I do, especially with the program pieces that are provided with Dawson Promise. So even though we've got this small school and even though everyone knows your name here, there are still navigational pieces that have to be met. There's still 
meetings with financial aid and meetings with housing and all of these different pieces of the school system. And with someone coming from foster youth who may have to navigate certain pieces of that in a different way than maybe a traditional youth, having someone who is a mentor, having someone who's a part of that Dawson Promise program who is designated to be that guide for that student really allows our students who were formerly in foster care to be able to navigate that system well. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. So let's say you have a young person identified, somebody who looks like Dawson Community College is a good fit for them and they for the college. So what happens then? How do you assist the young person through the application process? So we'll start there. I will work with that student one-on-one through that application process. And this year with COVID, that's often meant being on a video call with someone and having them share their screen so that we can walk through line by line, okay, here we are at this point in the application. Based on your history, this would be a good answer for you. Okay, now we're at this point in the application. This is how we'll fill this part out. So I'll walk with students line by line through that application to make sure that there's no confusion, especially on some of the questions that have to do with family or that have to do with residency. I want to make sure that there are no confusing issues for them there. I want to answer those questions for them. So we'll fill out the application. And then typically the next step is to fill out financial aid forms, because even though Montana provides resources for students who have aged out of foster care, often students are still getting grants, whether those are federal Pell grants or many of our students are really very bright and they'll get academic scholarships to Dawson Community College. So our next steps are working with them to fill out financial aid. And I myself am not the financial aid expert. And so I get to do a warm handoff to our financial aid director who then walks them through the process. Many of our students who are aging out of foster care then end up getting selected for what's called verification. It's just like a second step for financial aid. And because our financial aid director is aware of that and aware of who these students are, he can walk them through those steps and say, okay, we're going to submit this. And then in about two weeks, you'll have to do verification. So you'll come back to my office and we'll finish the rest of it. So we get them through all of these different pieces of paperwork And then the next step is making sure that we have a place for them whenever they need that place. And so if their foster family says, the day you graduate high school, it's time for you to move out, then congratulations. You're about to move on to the Dawson Community College campus the day you graduate high school. If you have a place for yourself over the summer, if you're not turning 18 for a little while, then we're happy to move students in whenever it's right for them. But usually the next step is making sure that we've got a move-in date that's appropriate for that student and their circumstance. And that's a dorm environment, right, that they would be moving into? That's correct. Our dorms here on campus are apartment-style dorms, so it feels a little bit more independent than the dorm situation of that's almost kind of like a hotel where everyone's in that same hallway. So students get that a little a little bit of independence. They have a kitchen, they have a living room, and they're able to have a home for themselves while they're here and not just, you know, a room to stay in. Right. And do they get roommates? And the reason I'm asking is I'm wondering if you try to put these young people coming out of foster care together. 
they do get roommates and often, especially in the summer leading into their first fall semester, we have students in the Dawson Promise program rooming together just so that we can kind of, you know, consolidate our students. But each apartment has two rooms and then each room has two students that live in it. So we typically have four students per room. And I would say usually we have two students who are in Dawson Promise and then two students who are not in Dawson Promise in an apartment. So with each other, they've got someone who's kind of going through the same things as them, but they're also integrating with the rest of campus as well. Sure, that makes sense. And how many young people do you have in your program in a year's time? This year, we had 10 students in our program, which doesn't sound like very many. Typically, we have about 250 students living on campus with us. Like I said, we're a small community college. But we had 10 students with us this year. One of them is graduating and so won't be returning next year. Four of them are making different choices with their life and have decided that education and college isn't right for them at this moment. And so they're not returning next year, but the door is always open for those students. And they have conversations with me to know that that door is open if and when they choose to come back. And then we've got five students who are returning and six students who are joining us next year. So we'll have 11 next year. Serving one more than before, which is Mm -hmm. great. And how about these young people? They're moving into a dorm situation. Now, if they've come from group homes, they've lived in, you know, roommates types of situations before and in foster families, you know, maybe they've had siblings and that they've roomed with. But I know, at least from my conversations, it seems like there are certainly young people who come into an environment where they have to have a roommate and really they just don't quite yet have the life skills to be as effective living with somebody else in this type of new environment as they could be. So do you provide any type of life skills, support, coaching, training for these young people? That is such a great question. And I'm so glad you asked it because this summer we're doing our first kind of summer bridge program where we're providing students with classes about those interpersonal skills, information about how they can build their emotional intelligence. We've done financial literacy classes in the past, but we're going to do a little bit more hands-on financial literacy this summer with our students who are joining us. It's one of those things that actually this year, we had a couple of circumstances that led us to this conclusion of let's teach our students a little bit. Let's walk alongside them and help them grow their skills on how to be independent, but also how to be interdependent with one another. Right, right. And I don't want to make it sound like, you know, other young people don't struggle with life skills as well. Oh, of course. You know they do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking back to when I went to college, I certainly had a lot to learn. But... (laughs) Uh, Don't we all? But no, I actually came out of the foster care system, but I actually lived a year with a family that did a great job with the life skills preparation. So I have to say I was quite fortunate in that. But it just does seem like there seems to be a gap there Mm -hmm. with young people coming out of foster care. So I'm glad to hear that you have this kind of program that you're starting. As far as the emotional intelligence, for those who might not know what that is, could you explain why you've included that in the program? Oh, absolutely. So when we think about emotional intelligence, I really care about the way that students interact with their peers, the way that they interact with their colleagues, their instructors, with people who are above them and below them, if if I can say that. So treating people with respect in a lot of different ways and also understanding what their emotions feel like inside of them and how to express those emotions in a positive and healthy way. 
So really what I am thinking about as far as an emotional intelligence, and I don't want to pretend like I'm some kind of expert on this. I want to make sure that students know how to navigate their feelings and how to navigate the situations around them, whether those are positive or negative situations in a way that helps them grow and helps build their community and build the next steps in their lives. I think emotional intelligence is something that was a buzz phrase at least 10, 20 years ago. You heard a lot about emotional intelligence, and I think it kind of drifted away mm-hmm. out of the cultural conscience. It's still there, but I personally believe it's incredibly important, even from when I was young and I first read Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligence. He had a theory that we all have different capabilities in certain areas like mathematics, music, and so forth. And two of his intelligences were interpersonal intelligence, which is understanding and how to read in the environment and communicating and responding to appropriately with the people around you. And then there's intrapersonal intelligence, which is understanding yourself, which I think is really key. They need to go together. And I think of the young people coming out of foster care, particularly those who haven't quite worked through the trauma that Mm -hmm. they've experienced in their life who might be triggered by certain situations, be it a roommate situation, employer situation or whatever, and they might lash out in a way that is not effective. And so I think that helping young people understand themselves in relation to being with other people is really key. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this is the first summer you're doing that? It is. And we're just so excited. I have someone who's here on campus who's helping me build the programming. And what we've chosen to do is really tap our campus community. So one of the things that I like to say to people is I would like to build an emotional and student support system for people. I don't want to be their student support, Sarah. I can help them. I can do things. But I would like for them to build a network of people who are supporters of them and champions of them. And so we're tapping into our campus community to have the folks that are here share their knowledge. And so we're having someone from our business office talk about financial literacy. We're having someone from our business department talk about how to build a resume. We're having someone from food service actually talk about how to cook meals, especially with the supplies that we have here on campus. And then we're having someone from our psychology department talk about emotional intelligence. And I'm sure I'll talk about student success. And I have a little soapbox that I get on about making sure you get enough sleep and how that's one of the most important things about college. And we'll talk about different ways that they can take care of themselves. Wow, that's terrific. Do you have other young people part of the Summer Bridge program in addition to the young people from foster care, or is it really zeroed in on the young people from foster care? It's our students in foster care, and then we do have a few formerly homeless students who are a part of the Summer Bridge program. While the challenges are not identical, there are similar challenges that these students face. Sure. And then do you have a way to, if we call this a a cohort, right, this Mm -hmm. group of young people, I don't want to call it a class because that gets confused with the academic class, but let's say this cohort of young people who come together, will there be a way to continue to allow these people or provide situations where they can continue to get together with each other throughout the two years that they're in, in the college? Yes, absolutely. And we typically have some Dawson Promise events throughout the semester. Usually the very first week of classes, I'll bring everyone together 
you know, one of the best ways to get college students to do anything is to feed them. And so I'll <laughs> order lunch. Exactly. I'll, <laughs> I'll have pizza delivered and we'll just- You'll get me to do pretty much, you know, give me pizza. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> Listen, give me pizza or give me a t-shirt. I'm there, right? <laughs> right. So yeah, we will have different meeting times for them throughout the semester just so that they can be together, that they can share what they've learned at school with one another. Earlier this spring, I had a group of students together in my office and we were just kind of hanging out. One of them was in my office already. Somebody walked by and decided to come in because they knew the person who was in here. They knew they were another Dawson Promise student. And I ended up with four or five students in my office and they all just kind of shared what they had learned about the college system here, who is a good teacher to take for math, who is the right person to ask when you want to get a little bit of extra dessert at the cafeteria. So they kind of mm-hmm. shared what they learned from each other this year. And it was so fantastic that I will try my hardest next spring to find another way to force that to happen. But I think one of the reasons it was so great was because it was organic. They just kind of happened upon each other this way. Yeah, I love that idea of having them share out the things that they've learned. And it's not necessarily something that you could read in a book, right? It's something that you learned from experience. Exactly. Well, let me ask this. Do you provide housing for young people over the breaks in the school year? And I'm assuming what you've said already, it makes me think that you do. Because I've heard of young people sleeping in cars or having to couch surf over breaks. So what do you do for them? We do provide housing for them over those breaks, whether it's summer break, winter break, if somebody needs to stick around during Thanksgiving. This year we didn't have a spring break because of COVID, but next year when we have that week-long spring break, all of our students in Dawson Promise have the opportunity to stay here on campus. And they're provided not only with that place to sleep, but we'll keep the cafeteria and kitchen open for them so that they have something to eat as well. Because the last thing I want is for a student to go hungry when they're trying to learn. I think I mentioned earlier that we allow students to move in before the fall semester start as soon as they need to move in. And so quite a few of our Dawson Promise students move in either in early June or throughout the summer, partly so that they can get settled on campus, but also because they may not have a place to sleep. And I would like for them to have a place to sleep that's safe and warm or cool, I guess, if it's in the summer and somewhere where they can call home for the next two years of their life. Right. Absolutely. Do you provide any assistance as far as helping them plan for their next step as far as housing is concerned after they leave Dawson Community College? We've just begun thinking about this this year, actually. With our students who are exiting the program this year, I think the most I've done is say, well, do you have a place to go after you leave DCC? And they've all said yes, and I trust them, and so I believe that they do. But one of the things that we're really hoping to grow this year is our exit strategy for our students so that they can have a place to live and have either a career or the next step in their education if they choose to transfer to a four-year school. One thing that we've really been doing a little bit of research on actually is the difference between living in uh, student housing and living in an apartment and what that means for rental history. Because I would like for students to be able to have some rental history when they leave Dawson Community College. They've been here with us for two years. 
you know, we have contracts that they sign for housing, but we don't have rental history agreements for them. And so what we're doing is taking a look to see what have other institutes of higher education done for their formerly homeless or students who are aging out of foster care so that when they leave, they're able to go get an apartment without having to have a co-signer. They can have two years of rental history. Yeah, that's a great idea. And it is necessary, right? The landlords look for some kind of evidence that you're going to pay on time, that you're going to be a good tenant and that you're going to follow the rules. (laughs) Everything that landlords look for. Yeah, exactly. And if I can provide that, whether it's via a letter to a landlord or just some kind of piece of rental history so that they can show that all of their bills have been paid on time, that they haven't, you know, trashed their apartment. If that can be the step for someone to not have to have a co-signer for their first apartment, gosh, that would be fantastic because I know how difficult it can be to find a co-signer. Yes. Oh, I'm excited about you looking into that. That would be a fantastic addition to your program for sure. The other thing that we're really hoping to look at this year, especially because I have a couple of students who will definitely be going on to four-year schools, is I'm speaking with the schools that they will be transferring to to find out what kind of living opportunities they can have there. So here at Dawson Community College, we're able to waive any of those room and board fees that they may have. And when they transfer, if for some reason the state of Montana doesn't cover the room and board, I don't want students to be burdened with exorbitant amounts of student debt. And so I'm working my hardest doing a pilot, I guess, with a couple of students to see what we can do to help support them when they go to their four-year school, when they transfer out of DCC. I would imagine you have a mix. Some young people go to community college just for the two years and some use it as a stepping stone. Exactly. Well, what about the academics at the school? Do you provide tutoring services or does the school have a tutoring service that they can take advantage of at least? We do. Yeah. So we have two really great tutors here on campus that tutor students in a variety of subjects. One is STEM-related math and science classes and the other is more language arts related. For students that need tutoring in a class that doesn't necessarily fall under the purview of one of those two tutors... Gosh, our instructors here on campus are so fantastic. I'm thinking about our agriculture instructor in particular. She's got a couple of students right now in an animal nutrition class, and that's not necessarily a class that either of our tutors have a lot of experience in. And so she's holding tutoring sessions herself for the students that are struggling in the actual classroom setting. She's got a couple of students who are coming to her after class to learn a little bit more. So we've got our academic supports, not only, you know, with our external tutors, we've got our instructors that are so helpful as well. And then we also have an online tutoring system that we partner with that is one of those kind of collateral benefits of COVID, I think. In so many ways, the COVID-19 crisis that we all are kind of still continuing to go through was a huge challenge, but in some ways it really opened the door for us to be creative with the ways that we can do things virtually. And one of the ways that we as a school have chosen to leverage this is to do some virtual tutoring. And so we've got people who can tutor students in physics. I cannot tutor students in physics, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, But we have quite a few different offerings for virtual tutoring as well. And that's one of those things, I'm thinking of our Dawson Promise students specifically, who might feel uncomfortable asking for help or saying, you know, I don't know if I understand all of this correctly. So them being able to come to me and say, you know, I'm just not sure about this. Then I can say, well, let's get on your laptop together. The laptop that 
we have laptops for them to borrow for the two years that they're here and then they can take them when they go. But so I'll say, let's pull out your laptop. Let's you and I walk together. How can we set up this virtual tutoring meeting? Or have you talked to Tammy or have you talked to Robbie about this class? And so having just someone else to help them take that next step and say, you know, it's okay to ask for help. Not everyone is understanding this. In fact, quite a few people are probably struggling with this. So you're not alone. And, and I want you to ask for help. Do you find that the young people coming into the program need some extra support to just catch up academically? Because I know a lot of young people in foster care, they're bouncing around from home to home, school to school, and their academics suffer, right, as part of that experience in the foster care system. So do you have a way to identify those gaps and a way to maybe support them when they first are coming into the school? We do. And I would say with our Dawson Promise students, we have like two very distinct groups of students. We have some that are just, wow, academically, they're beyond where I was when I was going to school as a freshman. And then we have the group of students that you mentioned that have moved around a lot or haven't had necessarily a stable situation for them to gain the skills that they needed in order to be successful. So One of the great things about us being a community college is that we have developmental classes for students to be able to take that are designed to get them up to college speed. And students will take them kind of simultaneously with their college classes so they're not losing time, they're not losing credit hours, but that additional support that someone might need if, for instance, halfway through their senior year, they had to switch high schools or, you know, they didn't build that foundation in writing and just kind of played that C's get degrees game all the way through high school. We have the capability as a small school to provide that extra support through those developmental classes. And really, you know, the way we identify students who are struggling is the same as we would identify any student who's struggling. We take a look at their standardized test scores, their high school GPA, We don't necessarily have essays or those kind of things that we'll look at, but if, for instance, a student didn't get to take the ACT, we've got a placement test here that they can take. And if, for whatever reason, a student didn't perform the best on either their ACT or their placement test, maybe that test was not a great representation of who they are as a student and what they truly know, then they're able to meet with the instructor, whether it's our math instructor, our writing instructor, our communication instructor and have a one-on-one conversation with them to say, you know, this is what class I'm placed in. Is this the right class for me? And then those instructors can say, yes, I think that you're ready at the college level, or I think that this developmental class is the right class for you right now so that we can build a strong foundation and then next semester really get where we're going. Now, how about mental health supports for these young people? A lot of programs have staff who are trained in trauma-informed support. And so I'm just wondering, what do you have in place there at Dawson Community College to help young people coming out of foster care who might need counseling, might Mm -hmm. need to see somebody for the issues that they're working through? This year, we worked really closely with, it's another one of those COVID things. We had a virtual mental health service that we were working with where students could either do a video chat with someone, they could text with someone to discuss any mental health problems that they had. And I will share that we also have folks here in the community that we partner with if someone is having an emergency or if you know the virtual counseling really isn't working out for them. I would say, especially this year, we had a huge challenge with mental health and with our students facing issues 
that would best be dealt with by a counselor. It's one of those things where, you know, I learn about trauma-informed care of students. I learn about different ways to support students and identify students that need that additional mental health support. But I'm not a licensed mental health counselor. And so one thing that I have really pushed for this year, and, you know, fingers crossed as they're passing our academic year 21-22 budget, I'm really hoping that we can get a mental health counselor here on campus so that if someone is in crisis, I can say, well, let's walk down to so-and-so's office or, well, have you talked to so-and-so about this? There's so many benefits to being a small school, but there mm-hmm. are downfalls as well. And one mm-hmm. of them is just not having staff here on campus that is trained in mental health. So, Right, right. Well, as long as you have connections, the yeah. network you can build in the community is invaluable to providing those additional services. Exactly. I can remember a really specific situation with one of our Dawson Promise students in the winter. And gosh, let me tell you, winters in Montana can be difficult. We're number two in the nation for suicide rates in the winter. And that's not a statistic that we're proud of. And I remember speaking with a Dawson Promise student this winter who was really in a dark place that I could not help them out of. And it was so nice to be able to say, while you're here, let me go ahead and call so-and-so, the counselor that I know here in town, and see if they're available to meet with you. And just being able to have someone who I knew by name instead of saying, well, let me call the clinic and we'll see what's going on. And being able to really do a warm handoff with that student's beneficial. Right, exactly. I would say for pretty much any program for young people aging out of foster care, having at least somebody on staff or somebody in the community who can provide that kind of assistance is critical. Not many young people are able to work through these things themselves. I mean, people in general. It's having somebody else to talk through these things and to provide some coaching and insight is just so important. Absolutely. One of the things that I tell my students often is if they're sharing something with me that I know they could use a little bit of guidance and understanding and unpacking and figuring out how that affects them in their lives, I like to ask them, thank you so much for sharing this with me. And I appreciate you trusting me with this. And I know that you think of me as a good listener, but might it be helpful for you to speak with someone who's more than just a good listener about this so that they can know that there are tools out there that can help them see how these different pieces of their life and, you know, whether it's trauma that they've faced previously or something that they're going through now, how those different things affect all of the parts of their life and how they can manage those emotions and those feelings and those pieces of trauma, I guess. Exactly. I did want to ask about the general foster care system, and you have a unique perspective from the academic world. What do you think could be done to improve how we help young people prepare for, I'll say higher education, but maybe any kind of education beyond foster care? I'm just wondering from your perspective if you had any particular insights and thoughts about opportunities for improvements. Gosh, this is one of those things. I think very early on in our conversation, you had mentioned that we were one of the first higher education institutes that had been on this podcast. And that's often the case when I'm in the room discussing our students or working with other groups who are focused on youth in foster care or youth who have been formerly homeless. It's one of those things where in my mind and in the textbooks I read, I can say, okay, These are the things that we need to do in order to prepare our students for the next step in education. 
But actually applying those things to someone in real life can be so different and so much more complex and more nuanced than, you know, these broad strokes that are placed in textbooks. And so if there was one thing that I would say, and I can only speak about my experiences and my program in particular, is I would love to see students be connected and know that there is a goal after high school earlier on than like April of their senior year. And, you know, as I'm saying this, maybe this is a goal that I need to set for myself next year. If I were able to, you know, speak with students in middle school or at the very beginning of high school and say, these are potential options that you have, whether it is higher education or, you know, some other opportunity, some other kind of career pathway, maybe. I think opening students' eyes to what the next step is, is one way that we can at least begin to open their minds to receiving help, I guess. Well, it's Um, a decision-making process that that all young people have to make, and most young people have their parents to help them make the decision. Exactly. That's the challenge. So in lieu of parents, how do we help these young people make the right decision at the right time? Because if you want to go to a particular school, you might need to really start thinking about it at the beginning of your high school career because your grades have to be at a certain level. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of our Montana students in particular, especially the ones who who do come from those small communities where maybe a high school counselor is only there one day a week, and they're really only focused on those high-achieving students and getting them into their dream colleges. If there's a way for me or someone in the community or gosh, some guardian angel out there to be able to share information with students about this is an option and you don't have to take this option, but it's out there for you. And even if you don't think that it's right for you now, let me plant this seed and let it grow a little bit. The system itself, because it's so siloed by state and county, it's so hard to get everybody on the same page. Maybe there's something virtual, something online on demand that could be developed, that could be marketed. And when I say sold, I don't necessarily mean a money-making thing, but just have them buy into the idea and start using it so that you could have young people who might not normally be exposed to the different options then have that exposure. Yeah. I mean, that's a great idea. And I wish... If only we all had unlimited time and unlimited resources and (laughs) unlimited everything, you know, I, I feel like often I'll have conversations with folks like you or other people who are invested in, in youth aging out of foster care. And we come up with these great ideas and I just want to do everything. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm writing down what you're saying and I'm like, how can we do this next year? Yeah, it, it's just so siloed and some foster care systems and programs have a lot of resources in their community with nonprofits and churches or mental health services because of the population. And then some areas, and I imagine a lot in Montana, just don't because they're so rural or whatever the case may be. It just depends on where you are as to the quality of the preparation. Exactly. I want to make it consistent, darn it. (laughs) I know. Can't we just give every student every opportunity that they deserve? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's something that I know a lot of people have interest in. And maybe, you know, maybe down the road there will be a way, an avenue for 
addressing this in a better way than we do now. But at least I know that there are programs out there like yours, and there are a lot of others too. There are hundreds of colleges, universities, community colleges that have programs that specifically support young people aging out of foster care. And I'm going to do a shameless plug here on the Aging Out Institute website under our downloads page. In 2018, we did a survey of 100 colleges and universities that have programs like this to assess what kinds of services they offer. So there's a lot of information in there about the variety of services and what are the services that most of the programs offer and what's the least offered and that kind of thing. So that's out there on the website if anybody's interested in looking at it. We really need to get out there and do an update in the next year or two so that we can revise, maybe even analyze more programs beyond the 100 that we had. And there's also a template for programs that support young people aging out of foster care, a website template, a framework, if you will, a wireframe of what an effective website would look like for a college that has a program that supports young people aging out of foster care. So that's a couple of resources that we have that you might be interested in, Sarah, but other people listening might be as well. Absolutely. I was furiously writing things down while you were (laughs) sharing this, and I'm excited to check those resources out. Well, I tell you what, I really have appreciated learning about your program. I think before we close out, one thing I do like to ask my interviewees these days is to finish up by having you complete this sentence, which is the thing I love the most about my organization or my program in your case is... Ooh, the thing I love the most about my organization is when I see a student have have a, kind of like an aha moment where they really put the pieces together of, oh, this can be my next step. Oh, this is how my future will look if I'm able to complete this, if I'm able to graduate from Dawson Community College. My favorite thing, I think, is seeing them future cast for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think one of the key ingredients for success is optimism and hope. When they're talking like that, as you're saying, to me, that indicates optimism and hope. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's great. Well, I don't know if you accept donations uh, being a higher ed program, but I want to ask, do you accept donations of any kind? We do. Our Dawson Promise program is funded almost entirely through grants and donations. And so if people feel compelled, if they have learned about this program and they're interested in either learning more or being generous in any way, I would love to speak with them and help them figure out how we can help our students together. Now, what is your website? Where can they find the information to contact you? They can find our information. We're just on www.dawson.edu. If you go to that page, it's our total college page, and you can find Dawson Promise under Outreach there. Okay, fantastic. Well, hopefully our listeners will go visit that and get in touch with you. Thank you very much, Sarah, for sharing about your program. I'm really excited for the new things that you've got coming down the pike, like your Summer Bridge program and the work on thinking about housing after they leave your program. And I really do wish you all the best. I'm very excited for what you're doing there for young people. Well, thank you so much. And it was a pleasure speaking with you today. I'm so glad that we're able to kind of spread the word about Dawson Community College a little bit and the Dawson Promise program and just really helping students find their future through this program. So thank you. You're very welcome. And if any listeners are in Montana, Dawson Community College, look them up.
<laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well, for those who have listened to the podcast to the end, thank you very much for doing so. As you know, we put these out every couple weeks or so. So you'll look for another one in the next two weeks. And you could just go to our website, agingoutinstitute.org, and find the link to our podcast there in the menu on the left. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time. 